joining us with these podcasts. They are designed to challenge us in the Christian faith. We hope that they do that for you. And we also hope that sometime you will join us at First Christian Church in Malvern. May God bless you. Okay, we're going to do Zechariah this time, which is Lesson 23. And Zechariah is a study of the prophets, uh, an interesting passage of Scripture. Uh, Zechariah, his, his name means Jehovah remembers, and God most certainly does. Before we begin, let's have a word of prayer. Father God, thank you for this time. Help us, Lord, as we look at your word to find strength in your word, to find encouragement in your word, to open our hearts to your word, that we may uh, humble ourselves before you and be able to um, truly realize that you show us right from wrong. And there are times in our lives where we need to humbly come before you and to submit and to obey and to trust. So, Lord, help us to do that. Be with those, Lord, that are hurting today, who are maybe sick, need your healing touch, those who have been operated on that need that, that healing and I ask God you be with those that are making uh, decisions for uh, people who are sick, that you give them wisdom. And I thank you, God, for being our God that we can turn to and ask and inquire of because you love us. And uh, we pray that your will will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is Zechariah. Now, Zechariah, Jehovah remembers. He is a minor prophet that lived after the exile. Okay, so after the Babylonian captivity and Babylon went through, um, uh, was taken over by the Medes and the Persians and uh they were allowed to return to rebuild the temple. Now, you remember the prophet Haggai that we covered uh, last week. Haggai was one that had written to encourage the people to finish the temple. For about uh, 16 years, the temple had not uh, been finished. It, they had started it, and then they stopped. And Haggai was uh, the prophet that turned and said, you must get your priorities right. Well, along with, with Haggai came Zechariah. And he lived during this time too. He was a priest as well as a prophet. So he could talk directly to the priests and uh, be able to... Uh, gain their understanding of what was being said. He's the son of Berechiah, the grandson of Iddo, a priest. He, now, don't confuse him with uh, Zechariah, the priest, 
uh, in Second Chronicles 24. Uh, that's another time. Uh, he was probably born in Babylon. And as I'd mentioned, he's of the priestly line. And that helped his ministry to the Jewish leaders and to the priests. Uh, once again, Haggai and Zechariah prophesied at the same time about the rebuilding of the temple. But Zechariah began his ministry about two months after Haggai. Haggai's ministry, is, if you remember, lasted about four months. Zechariah's ministry is going to last about two years. Uh, Haggai is an encourager, and he keeps looking to brighter days. And he is, he is more positive in his ministry. And so... Thus we begin the book of, of Zechariah. So he was probably around 520 to 518 B.C., roughly around that time. Um, he gives a call to repentance. Now that was in November of 520 B.C. That's dealt with in the first chapter uh, the first six verses. And uh, if you would, just turn to Zechariah a little bit. I want to kind of go through there and show you uh, some things. The, the idea was they needed to repent because they needed to finish the temple. They needed to, to do what God had wanted them to do and so he has this call to, to repentance in the first six verses of, uh, of this book. Then, later on in the first chapter, down at verse 7, he gets these what's known as night visions. This was a vision that he had during the night. And there are uh, a number of these visions. Uh, it begins with uh, verse 7, and he sees a man among the trees there. And you will notice that there are horses that are a red horse, you know, brown, white. There's riders on them. And... Uh, these riders go out and patrol the earth. Isn't that interesting that that's their job to patrol the earth? They just go on and, and look at what is happening. So there's this vision there, and then there's a second vision that starts in uh, verse 18 about four horns and four blacksmiths. And horns means power. Uh, many times it may uh, be nations that, and in this case it is, that had humbled Judah. And you'll say, well, who, who were they? Well, it was Assyria. It was Babylon. Um, we're dealing with the uh, Egypt also. So 
and you're dealing with the nation that they're now under also, the Medo-Persian nations. So he talks about that in this chapter. In the second chapter, he talks about Jerusalem and the prosperity that Jerusalem will have. That is the third vision he has. And then the fourth vision is verse 6 in the second chapter, and these exiles are coming home, and they are to come home. So in the fourth vision he has, that's found in uh, chapter 3, there's a cleansing for the high priest, Yeshua. Isn't that interesting? Yeshua is also the name for Jesus. He is our high priest. And uh, he's standing for the angel of the Lord. And the accuser, Satan, was there at the angel's right hand making accusations against uh, Yeshua. And the Lord said to Satan, I, the Lord, reject your accusations, Satan. Yes, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebukes you. This man is like a burning stick that has been snatched from the fire. And in this he has filthy clothing and he's made clean. Uh, and turning to Yeshua, he says, See, I have taken away your sins and now I'm giving you fine new clothes. He said, uh, I should also place a clean turban on his head. And uh, he says in verse 7, this is what the, the Lord of heaven army says, says. If you follow my ways and carefully serve me, then you will be given authority over my temple and its courtyards, and I will let you walk among these others standing there. Listen to me, O Yeshua the high priest, and all you other priests, you are symbols of things to come. Soon I'm going to bring my servant the branch. The branch. Now that's an interesting thing because we're going to find out that Jesus is referred to as the branch. He's giving hope in this fourth vision. Um, and in the fourth chapter, we find another, the fifth vision, a lampstand and two olive trees. And in the sixth vision, it's chapter 5, there's a flying scroll. It's flying through the air. And, and uh, the angel asks him, what do you see? He says, I see a flying scroll, I replied. It, it appears to be about 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. In verse 3, then he said to me, this scroll contains the curse that is going out over the entire land. One side of the scroll says that those who steal will be banished from the land. The other side, that those who swear falsely will be banished from the land. And this is what the Lord of heaven says. I am sending this curse into the house of every thief, into the house of everyone who swears falsely using my name. And will, the curse will remain in the house uh, and completely destroy it, even to its timbers and its stones. God is a God of truth. And so we find that sixth vision. 
The seventh vision is a woman in a basket. And uh, this basket is used for measuring grain. And it's, it's filled with the sins of everyone through the land. And it, the, they take this cover off the basket and there's a woman sitting there. And the angel says, the woman's name is wickedness. And he pushed her back into the basket, closed the lid, heavy lid again. And I looked up and saw two women flying towards us, gliding on the wind. They had wings like a stork, and they picked up the basket, flew to the sky. He said, where are they taking the basket? I asked the angel, and he replied, to the land of Babylonia, where they will build a temple for the basket, and when the temple is ready, they will sit the basket there on its pedestal. Babylon's always a place of evil. And so when we get to the sixth chapter, finally there is our eighth, Uh, night vision and it's about four chariots with powerful horses that are eager to patrol the earth and they're summoned and and they go and patrol well after these visions that come in Zechariah there is this another message about a, a coronation and it's a it's a coronation about Yeshua it's an interesting uh, message about this coronation and that actually goes through verses 9 through 15 and uh, this coronation takes place uh, it, it's going to be a, a great time. And uh, Zechariah has more to say about the Messiah, I think, than any other prophet. Uh, there, there will be a lot spoken about the Messiah. And there's a lot of hope there. Uh, let's kind of look at that in the sixth chapter, verse 9. He says, then I received another message from the Lord. Hildai, Tobijah, uh, Jediah will uh, bring gifts of silver and gold from the Jews exiled in Babylon. As soon as they arrive, meet them at the home of Josiah, son of Zephaniah, accept their gifts and make a, a crown from the silver and gold. Put the crown on the head of Yeshua, son of Jehozadak the high priest tell him this is what the Lord of heaven's army says here is the man called the branch now this is symbolic you understand Jesus he will branch out from where he is and build the temple of the Lord yes he will build the temple of the Lord then he will receive royal honor and will rule as king from his throne. He will serve as priest from his throne. There will be perfect harmony between his two roles as priest and king. The crown will be a memorial in the temple of the Lord to honor those who who gave it. Uh, Hildiah, uh, Tobajiah, 
and uh, Jedidiah and Josiah, son of Zephaniah. People come from distant lands to rebuild the temple of the Lord. And when this happens, you will know that my messages have been from the Lord of heaven's armies. And this will happen if you carefully obey what the Lord your God says. This is something that he says will happen. Now, if they didn't build the temple and they didn't continue on the course, the Messiah would never be, have been able to come, the branch. So this is a prophecy of hope to get them to complete the task that's before them. So, you know, that this really breaks down into a number, uh, two sections. The very first section is going to deal with all of these things here about this call to repentance and to, to build the temple. Uh, in chapter 7, there's this call for justice and mercy. And they've got to have this justice and mercy. They call for a fast. Now, they, they need uh, questions about the fasting. It says in verse 4 of chapter 7, the Lord of heaven's armies sent me this message in reply. Say to all your people and your priests during these 70 years of exile, when you fasted and mourned in the summer and early autumn, was it really for me that you were fasting? And even now in your holy festivals, aren't you eating and drinking just to please yourselves? You see, God wants our priorities, our, our full attention and devotion. He says, isn't this the same message the Lord proclaimed through the prophets in years past when Jerusalem and the towns of Judah were bursting, uh, were uh, bustling, I'm sorry, with people? And when everything was populated, and so the message comes to Zechariah. This is what the Lord of heaven's armies, wow, imagine that. Judge fairly, show mercy and kindness to one another. He says, don't oppress the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, and the poor. Do not scheme against one another. So we, we have this this vision that they got to get their lives right. And um, so he talked about why things had become desolate. Now, after he does this, he gives 10 short words. And each one starts with, uh, thus saith the Lord, or the, now the Lord says, and there's, there's 10 of them here. So if we look at these in chapter 8, let's look at these 10 real quick. The very first one, it says, Then another message came to me from the Lord of the heaven's armies. This is what the Lord of heaven, heaven's armies says. My love for Mount Zion is passionate and strong. I'm consumed with passion for Jerusalem. 
God is just in this word or oracle. Uh, the word oracle stands for word from God. Uh, I'm consumed with passion. In the second one, starts at verse 3, and now the Lord says. You notice how it says that? Now the Lord says, I am returning to Mount Zion. I will live in Jerusalem. This is the Lord saying this. Then Jerusalem will be called the faithful city. The mountain of the Lord of heaven's armies will be called the holy mountain. He's giving them hope. And then here's the third one, verse 4. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Once again, old men and women will walk uh, Jerusalem streets with their canes and will sit together in the city squares and the streets of the city will be filled with boys and girls that play. He's encouraged them. God is giving words of encouragement. God doesn't always give words that, that, uh, of punishment. Here's words of encouragement. How many times have God, has God given you words of encouragement? You've heard that little voice, oh, come on. Come on. It's okay. I'm with you. Well, here's, here's the fourth one. This is what the Lord uh, of heaven's army says in verse 6. All this may seem impossible to you now, a small remnant of God's people, but, it's, but is it impossible for me, says the Lord of heaven's armies? You see, God's with them. He's encouraging them. This number five uh, oracle, verse seven. This is what the Lord of heaven's army says. You can be sure that I will rescue my people from the east and from the west. I will bring them home again to live safely in Jerusalem. They will be my people. I will be faithful and just toward them as their God. Words of encouragement. Here's the sixth oracle, verse 9. But this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. Be strong and finish the task. Ever since, I'm sorry, ever since uh, the laying of the foundation of the temple of the Lord's of heaven's armies, you have heard what the prophets have been saying about completing the building. Before the work on the temple began, there were no jobs, no money to hire people or animals. Imagine what that's like going back to a desolate land. There's no job. He said no traveler was safe from the enemy, for they were enemies on all sides. There were enemies on all sides. I have turned everyone against each other. But now... I will not treat the remnant of my people as I treated them before, says the Lord of heaven's armies. For I am planting seeds of peace and prosperity among you. The, the grapevines will be heavy with fruit. The earth will produce its crops. The heavens will release the dew. Once more, I will cause the remnant in Judah and Israel to inherit blessings. Among other nations, Judah and Israel uh, became symbols of, cursed, of a cursed nation. But no longer. Now I'll rescue you and make you both a symbol and a source of blessing. So don't be afraid. Be strong. Get on with the rebuilding of the temple. He's, he's encouraging them. And finally, here comes the tenth oracle. And in verse 14, For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. 
I was determined to punish you when your ancestors angered me, and I did not change my mind, says the Lord of heaven's armies. But now I am determined to bless Jerusalem and the people of Judah, so don't be afraid. But this is what you must do. Tell the truth to each other. Render verdicts in your courts that are just and that lead to peace. Don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies so that you... uh, so that you swear are, are the truth. I hate all these things, says the Lord. So after he gives these words of encouragement to them, um, he then follows this by this idea of, of three other um, stories or three other messages I guess that would be the best way to put it here's a in verse 18 there's this message that he has um, uh, and it's message of encouragement uh, he's encouraging them to to love peace and and uh, truth and he's encouraging them in the second one that people nations will come to Jerusalem. They'll seek God. They'll seek the Lord of heaven's armies to ask for his blessing if they follow him. The third one is found in verse 23 and uh, uh, that the Jew will be respected. Please, the people will say, please let us walk with you. We've heard that God is with you. So when we finally begin this second uh, section here in in chapter 9, we find out that there's going to be judgment against Israel's enemies. Now, he also gives hope in uh, verse Nine, he begins to talk about a coming king. And he tells the people of Zion, Jerusalem, to rejoice. Look uh, at verse 9. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious. Yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Now, now I want to stop right there. Who's he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, isn't he? In fact, that Jesus entered Jerusalem riding on a donkey's colt. And that is quoted in the New Testament. So Zechariah is pointing forward and he's saying, Here the king will come to you. The king will be there. And that the Lord is going to restore his, his people in chapter 10. And that he's going to have compassion on them. That the king will be coming. And then in chapter 11, he gives a story about good and evil shepherds. 
And look at verse 4. This, this in chapter 11. This is what the Lord my God says. Go and care for the flock that is intended for slaughter. Uh, it's interesting. So uh, Zechariah says in verse 7, So I cared for the flock intended for slaughter, the flock that was oppressed. Then I took two shepherd's staff and named one favor and the other union. I got rid of their three evil shepherds in a single month. But I became impatient with these sheep, and they hated me too. So I told them, I won't be your shepherd any longer. If you die, you die. If you are killed, you are killed. And let those who remain uh, devour each other. And I took my staff called favor, and I cut it in two, showing that I had revoked the covenant I had made with all the nations. That was the end of my covenant with them. The suffering flock was watching me, and they knew that the Lord was speaking through my actions. And I said to them, If you like, give me my wages, whatever I am worth, but only if you want to. So they counted out the wages, 30 pieces of silver. Oh, the rejected flock took 30 pieces of silver and says, gave 30 pieces of silver and verse 13 and the Lord said to me throw it to the potter this magnificent sum at which they valued me so I took 30 coins and threw them to the potter in the temple of the Lord does that sound familiar of course it's quoted when what Judas did you see, Jesus was rejected. He was rejected by the people. He was trying to, to uh, feed that flock, and they turned against him. Even with his disciples, Judas turned against him. So look at this. He says, then I took my other staff, Union, and I cut it in two, showing that the bond of unity between Judah and Israel was broken. Then the Lord said to me, go again and play the part of a worthless shepherd. This illustrates how I'll give this nation a shepherd who will not care for those who are dying, nor look after the young, nor heal the injured, nor feed the healthy. Instead, this shepherd will eat the meat of the fattest sheep and tear off their hooves. What sorrow awaits this worthless shepherd who abandons the flock? The sword will cut his arm and pierce his right eye. His arm will become useless and his right eye completely blind. So, wow, we find, we find really the story of Jesus, don't we, in that, and what will happen. Isn't that amazing 
that God speaks through these prophets and, and tells us. Now, the next three chapters are interesting chapters, and many people feel that these three chapters are chapters that are given just to encourage. But I think that it's talking about a future Jerusalem, a future deliverance that will happen. We know what happened after uh, the rejection of Jesus as the Messiah. 70 A.D., Rome came and destroyed Jerusalem. It has not been inhabited since 19, uh, uh, from 70 A.D. To, to 1948. And I believe that chapters 12, 13, and 14, this is my personal belief, is talk, talking about this scattering of the sheep that will happen, but there will be a millennial kingdom that Christ will rule. Now, I realize that some take the view that Christ is ruling now um, because he is king, is he not? He is Lord of all. But when you read these particular chapters, I think it's talking about a future, especially chapter 14. Um, let's take a look at this 12th chapter. And it's a message concerning the fate of Israel. Uh, he's talking about uh, Israel will be besieged, armies to besiege them. Uh, there'll be a burning torch. Uh, the Lord will give victory to the rest of Judah first before Jerusalem. The people of Jerusalem and the royal line of David will not have greater honor than the rest of Judah. And on that day, the Lord will defend the people of Jerusalem. The weakest among them will be as mighty as a king, and the royal descendants be like God, like an angel of the Lord who goes before them. For on that day, I will begin to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. I think that's something yet to come. I don't see that happening yet. But look at verse 10. This, this is an interesting. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me whom they have pierced and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as for a firstborn son who has died. I don't believe that that has happened yet. That's a quotation uh, that was used uh, in the New Testament. It was taken that verse in John 19, uh, 37. It says, they will look on him whom they pierced. Um, and I think that there is a time of mourning that Israel will go through when they come to the Messiah. 
that it will happen. Now, in, in chapter 13, that there is uh, a day a fountain will be opened. Now, this is kind of interesting uh, for the people of Jerusalem, a fountain to cleanse them from their sins and impurity. Of course, that's Jesus, isn't it? Look at uh, later on, it says, on that day, says the Lord of uh, heaven's armies, I will erase idol worship throughout the land so that even the names of idols will be forgotten. I will remove from the land both the false prophets and the spirits of impurity that, that came with them. And wow, it does say that there will be a scattering of the sheep but uh, chapter 14 deals with the idea of a Lord that is going to rule. And he's going to rule on the earth. In fact, he's, he will go and fight against these nations um, as he fought in the past. Look at verse 4 for a minute. On that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split apart, making a wide valley running from east to west. Half the mountain will move toward the north and half to the south. You will flee through this valley, uh, that, for it will reach across to Azal. Yes, you will flee as you did from the earthquake in the days of King Uzziah, of Judah, then the Lord my God will come and all his holy ones with him. Boy, that sounds like uh, Paul in Thessalonians, doesn't he? And so all of a sudden we get this change in chapter 14 that. On that day, life-giving waters will flow out from Jerusalem. Half toward the Dead Sea, the other half toward the Mediterranean. The Lord will be king, verse 9. The Lord will be king over all the earth. On that day, there will be one Lord. His name alone will be worshipped. You see, I don't think that has happened. And I, and I know that my brothers and sisters that believe, well, it's happened spiritually. I, I don't believe that all of this has happened spiritually. I believe it is yet something to come. And you're going to see how the Lord fights against these nations. Uh, there's going to be flesh that's going to rot away. And the wealth of the neighboring uh, nations are going to be captured. And uh, look at verse uh, 16. In the end, the enemies of Jerusalem who survived the plague will go up to Jerusalem each year to worship the king. To worship the king. Jesus. The Lord of heaven's armies and to celebrate the festival of uh, shelters or booths. Any nation in the world that refuses to come to Jerusalem to worship the king, the Lord of heaven's armies, will have no reign. If the people of Egypt refuse to attend these festivals, the Lord will punish them with the same plague that he sends on other nations who refuse to go. You see, I, I think this is a time of a millennial. Um, 
when you read on in this, uh, you will find that, that it will be a perfect time. And so, Zechariah encourages his people to finish that temple. Messiah will come, the king will come. And he gives them encouragement after encouragement. Now the lessons that we should learn is lessons from the history of past. What got them in that position was disobedience. Disobedience to the ways of God and the commands of God. Aren't you glad that you're cleansed by the fountain, the blood of Jesus? His, his fountain, his blood is, a, is, a, is that fountain for sin and being unclean. So there's all kinds of prophecies that we find in Zechariah. The branch, he's called the branch. The king who rides on the donkey. The betrayal with 30 pieces of silver. <clears throat> How about this? I'm the good shepherd. Jesus made that statement, did he not? It says that they would look on whom they pierce. They would smite the shepherd. And the king who reigns from sea to sea. There is a fountain for cleansing. And that his demand for everyone to speak truth to his neighbor is mentioned by Paul in the New Testament. And in the book of Revelation, we see four horsemen. We also see that in Zechariah. Two olive trees we see. We see that in Zechariah. We see the candlestick and seven eyes. All this is found in this book of Zechariah. What a marvelous, marvelous prophet. Well, let us rejoice. Let us be glad. I hope that uh, you have a great day. I hope that you reflect upon Zachariah. May God bless you. Thank you for joining us on this podcast. We hope that you will join us at First Christian Church of Malvern, which is located at 4046 Coral Road, Northwest in Malvern, Ohio. May God bless you and have a great day.